This is the Redemption Podcast, brought to you by Westwood Westwood. And I'm Johnny Kovach. And I'm Ariella Kozen. Previously on the Redemption Podcast. My name is Jason Clark, and I'm 44 years old. On April 20th, 1993, I killed Charlene Heineman. As we mentioned in episode one, this story isn't about proving guilt or innocence. It's not about solving a mystery. When Jason was 20, he committed a heinous crime. We're here to detail its beginnings, its consequences, and the restorative justice that follows. Jason's story is just one example of how murder is not an event. It's a process that unfolds slowly. We left off with Jason leaving Juvenile Hall at age 18 with no family and returning to the only lifestyle he knew, drugs, drifting, and prostitution. With nowhere to turn, he began living with a biker gang who offered him a place to crash in exchange for dealing drugs. Jason also made sure to arm himself. Why did you start carrying a knife? It was commonplace. You know, everybody had a a knife on their belt. It was just commonplace. When tweaking and doing all that stuff, you use it as a screwdriver, you use it to cut stuff, you know, strip wire, whatever you need to do. This particular hunting knife I got, I had actually traded some meth for it. When I lived there, I did a lot of dealing, a lot of nickel and dime stuff, selling, delivering. They had a Volkswagen that I used to drive. I never had a driver's license. I used to drive this Volkswagen all over the place, but people would call and I would take the dope and go deliver it for them. Biker gang was the closest thing he had to family. Did you ever consider joining the gang? No, I always think of that line by Marx. I would never be part of an organization that would have me as a member. Like I said, I've never imagined, especially at that age, giving myself or joining something like that and uh, committing, making that kind of a commitment to any kind of a family and any biker club considers themselves a family. And I just couldn't see myself committing and being part of anything like that. He trusted no one, especially a faction operating solely on crime. Just like he did during his early teens, Jason went back on the road. This time, he found himself in Redlands at the house of an old customer, Jeffrey Cormier. I had met him through another guy, uh, again, another meth user. And uh, Jeff had money and dope. He was a general contractor. I ended up having, uh, doing a lot of drugs and having a lot of sex with Jeff. It's as simple as that. It had started to rain and I was in the neighborhood and I knew he lived over there. So I just went over there, get out of the rain, maybe make some money. I had stopped by his house. And there was a note on the door that he was in Minnesota visiting family. Having been to his house before, I knew how to get into his house through the garage. So I did that, went in the house through the garage door. Nobody was there. I ended up eating, 
Uh, I remember I was I was starving, ended up eating a can of stew, um, opened it up and ate it <laughs> right out of the can, going and taking a shower and, and crashing for 12 hours straight, waking up and uh, started to look around his house. His spare set of keys for his truck was in his desk. So I took those, uh, stereo and some other stuff, put it in his truck and left. Drove to Las Vegas. Why Vegas? Still don't know. I got in the truck and started driving is what it comes down to. While I was out there, I found out that the recycling companies in Nevada will pay you 75 cents a pound for transmissions. So I was just going through the back of the transmission stores through their back fence and stealing all the old transmissions out of the, we call them the graveyard because they would stack them all up and they kind of look like tombstones. Uh, a couple of friends of mine, we all drove out there. I say friends again, uh, a couple of meth heads that I knew. We all drove out there and we just started doing this. And uh, I eventually got arrested out there for grand theft auto and burglary. Extradited back to California and ended up doing six months in county jail. Did that six months, got healthy, got out again. How old were you at that point? I got out when I was 19. Actually uh, spent my birthday in there. Got out and just went right back doing the same thing. That meant visiting his old friend at the biker house where he picked up his knife. He didn't stay there. This time around, he wanted things to be different, including keeping his sobriety. I stopped by a lot of places after I got out of out of county, you know, because you're you're healthy and you're moving around and you want to go around and see familiar faces again. And so I made a point of like that's why I went and visited Barbara. Just trying to, I guess it's more like you're trying to reconnect with people after being locked up. Regardless of where he turned, the biker gang, a trailer park, old friends, he couldn't resist the temptation for another high. I actually stayed off meth for a little while after I got out. I was drinking and smoking pot and stuff, but not doing any meth for a while. And then I started using meth again. Started hanging out with, you know, the caliber of people that I started hanging out with again and started doing meth again and kept doing it and kept going the same cycle over and over again. Jason also had a new partner to share his broken lifestyle with, a woman named Loray. Actually had a uh, girlfriend for a short time. We were partying, doing drugs, and we started, you know, we were doing meth, but... It was more like on the weekends, but it progressed out of control again. We all got kicked out of her apartment because she had her friend staying with her too and her friend's boyfriend and became a big, huge mess. We ended up getting kicked out of the apartment, lived in her car for a while. That finally ended. I just walked away from it. I literally grabbed my backpack from the back seat and walked away from it. But there was one person who always came in and out of his life. She was a fellow drug addict from the same trailer park. Jason didn't consider her any more than a casual acquaintance. 
He definitely didn't know this woman would change his life forever. Can you tell us about Charlene? I met Charlene. I actually knew some of Charlene's siblings, her younger brother and half-sister from the neighborhood. I didn't really know her. She was older, a couple years older, So, but uh, I met her a few times in passing, basically. It was later on when I was 20 that I started seeing her more often around, you know, we would cross paths in the, in the same drug houses where the dealers lived and stuff like that. Seen her in passing and stuff. She came from a very fractured family. When I first met her, you know, through her younger siblings, they all lived at an apartment complex that was nicknamed the zoo. It was, you know, projects basically. This one little section of them was called the zoo. Lots of drugs and stuff going on around there all the time. But yeah, I, I knew her off and on in passing. We didn't hang out or anything like that. But uh, yeah, that's just how I knew her. Did you ever come close to hurting someone before Charlene? Yeah, I don't know. Being high all the time and arguing with people in that aspect, yeah, there's you know arguments and stuff like that. I did pull the knife one time on somebody that was actually harassing me really bad. At the time when I did that, this is one of those things where you, when you're trying to get, gain insight and stuff, you you think about uh, your intent when you do do things, what, you know, the intent of your actions. And it was a guy that was harassing me really badly and I pulled a knife on him. And it wasn't with the intent to hurt him, it was with the intent to get him to back off. I, I never really uh, been the kind of person that wanted to or took any kind of pleasure or anything from like trying to hurt people or, or anything like that physically hurt or dominate people. It's, it's never been in my character. Like I said, arguments and stuff that could have escalated or something like that, but I've never really intended to hurt people. A year rolled by, along with his downward spiral. He didn't know how to escape it. Tell us about the time leading up to Charlene's murder. Prior to April 20th, maybe a few weeks prior, one thing I have a hard time with is chronological order and time because for me, dates were never important. I didn't have anywhere to be. None of that stuff really mattered to me. You run around high all the time. Time and space get distorted. What Jason did remember is that he gave Charlene dope to sell. They agreed to meet up and split the profit, but Charlene never showed. She was now in debt to Jason. Discuss the day before the murder. The night before, or the day before actually, and and the night before, I'd, I'd been up. I was running on my second or third day up on meth. And I was at, again, I say a buddy of mine's, uh, a guy, as long as I had pot or meth, 
I could crash in his garage. And we'd been up the entire night before tweaking and playing darts. And it was, you know, listening to music and just playing darts. And uh, we must have done that for six or seven hours straight. Later on that night, I had left. I'd taken off just like I always do, just to go out and see if there was something to steal, if there was money to be made, a hustle to make, anything. As I was walking, I seen Charlene's car parked on the side of the road, off one of the main roads. And uh, I remember being pissed that I saw her car. I uh, really just, I really just fed into it. And at this point where, where I was at, I was, I was a completely miserable person with everything that was going on. I'm living, uh, you know, the saying paycheck to paycheck. I'm living dope deal to dope deal. I remember being really pissed when I seen her car and just feeding into it allowing myself to work up, to get worked up. I was fueling that hate and that rage because I felt that here was somebody that had wronged me and that I could do something about it. And I just fed into this and I let it build up as I was walking towards her car. I got to her car and I looked inside and uh, she was curled up asleep on the front seat. So I banged on the window, bang, 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 woke her up and uh, told her to get out of the car. She said something back to me and I told her to get out of the car, something to the effect of, you know, where the fuck is my money? Something to that effect. Where the hell is my money? She uh, started to open the car door and uh, I grabbed it and yanked it open and uh, reached in and grabbed her out. As she was getting out, I grabbed her and pulled her out and I started yelling at her and uh, she started yelling back at me that she didn't have it. It's as simple as I reached back, my knife was on my belt, I reached back and just grabbed the handle and pulled it out and I stabbed her as hard as I could. And it wasn't... It was violent and brutal. I, it was. And it was, it was everything I had in it. it. It was just lashing out. I stabbed her right in the neck and she collapsed almost instantly. Uh, she slammed up against the back of the car and started to collapse. It, it was at that same instant that I realized what I'd done, the brutality of it. I had grabbed her. When she collapsed, I was looking around and I know there was a house a little ways away 
And I think one of the lights turned on right when I looked over at that house. So people had heard the argument. And I became really paranoid, really scared. Somebody was going to come out, call the cops or anything. Jason knew he had to get out and fast. I shoved her into the car, pushed her across to the passenger seat, uh, got in the car, started it up and just started driving as fast as I could. She was on the floorboard, half on the floor, half in the passenger seat. And one of the things... um, One of the things I'll, uh, that I will always remember is I, I know that I heard, I heard her last breath. And uh, that's one of the things that will always stay with me. On the next episode of the Redemption Podcast... Where did you go after you killed Charlene? Went to this girl, uh, Pam. I went to her house, this girl I knew. We used to party together and do dope and stuff. I went there because I knew she'd let me get cleaned up and stuff. About halfway to Pam's house, there's a couple parts. There's an apartment complex there, and there's an empty lot. Cutting through that empty lot, I had taken the knife, and I'd thrown it into a ditch, and there's tumbleweeds and trash. I didn't want it no more. I had to get rid of it.